podcast with Nicole and John Ellen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Radical Awareness podcast with Nicole and John. How are you, Nicole? I'm exceptionally well there, John. Yes. Today's episode is really about why. Why do we practice yoga? What's the point? And this is obviously just a limited kind of why, because there's many, many, many whys of why we practice yoga. Well, I think specifically what we're talking about is why you might come to the mat for, say, an hour asana practice specifically. So we're talking more about the yoga in the, yep. mm, the yoga in the um, more popularized kind of postural yoga systems that we know of today and that you see in all of those places and that people do uh, teacher training to teach and all of those wonderful things. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the practicing of an asana practice, asana means seat or pose, so a postural practice, an asana practice, is really all about uh, moving the body with the breath. And so there are countless benefits to doing that. And there's also a wonderful metaphor, which we may have mentioned briefly in another episode, but the regard that an asana practice is like a little life, a little incarnation starting in the state of a child in a pose, balasana or the child's pose, and then slowly making your way up to all fours, as in crawling, and eventually making your way up to standing and doing more kind of athletic movements, more kind of adult movements, you might say, and things like the warrior, um, really working through the conflicts of life and eventually making your way back down to reclined, maybe on your back in that final pose known as Shavasana, which we talked about a little bit in our death episode. Mm, mm, mm. This idea of, of coming face to face with the reality of our own death and this impermanence of our whole situation here on earth is such a, an amazing thing you can do to actually live more vitally, which we have discussed. But it has quite a powerful effect when taking this intention into a practice, whether you know it or not. Mm. You don't necessarily need to have that intention, but there is something beautiful that a lot of us who practice yoga have experienced in a group class or by ourselves or even online in these, these times. Um, and it's amazing. And what's just so beautiful is there's this this moment of starting and breath and then taking your own breath your own rhythm if you get that invitation to kind of carry you through the practice and if your attention and your intention is there to kind of keep that rhythm you can receive quite a lot of benefit on and then off of the mat and one of the biggest things we're doing is influencing well we're influencing the entire system because we're not really made up of separate parts we are one whole system but for the sake of the uh, scientific materialism reductionist view, we'll say the nervous system, um, we are working with in quite a beautiful way and training ourselves to regulate ourselves. And for a lot of people, and we're seeing it a lot at the moment, it's very challenging to actually regulate ourselves. What do I mean by that? What would a dysregulated nervous system look like? <laughs> Thank you, John. A dysregulated nervous system might show up in many different ways, whether it's the way that you move or the way that you feel or the way that you 
I'm going to say emote yourself <laughs> um, and not necessarily being able to go from like, let's say a higher level of activity, whether it's stress or fast paced movement or excitement. And then instead of kind of coming back down to a balanced state of being engaged in what's going on, no matter what that is, you tend to kind of go flying out the other end into a form of, of collapse and just like, I need to just lie on the couch or have the glass of wine or watch three episodes on Netflix or whatever that is. It's it coming from a place. Less like flying and, and a lot more like falling. Yes. Yes. Um, sort of just going through these two states of super high, what we'd call hyper arousal and then all the way down to hypo arousal. And this leans into this idea of uh, Stephen Porges um, concept of polyvagal theory, which is where he's talking about this idea of being socially engaged um, which does relate to the vagus nerve, but we're just going to talk about it from this point of being socially engaged. And that is kind of our balanced natural state. And if we're not aware of what it feels like to be socially engaged, where we are able to connect with other people in a loving, connected way, not a defensive, argumentative way, or where yeah, we feel like we're getting offended, um, and we're able to interact with animals like that and with the tasks that we're doing and with the environment around us we actually engage in this loving way which brings us into presence and there is a sense of calm and ease or even serenity within us to then do those things but if we don't understand that state we tend to be going really up into the high so that overexcited um, can be aggressive uh more so defensive and hyperactive and needing to do a lot of very fast paced movement. And then the other end of that is this kind of slow, numb, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, in yoga, there's the terms to describe these states. Um, when we're up in that hyper state, we would call it rajasic. Um, and when we come down to that hypo state it's much more tamasic so there's a real sense of of slowness and and sludginess mm -hmm. um, yeah. the tamasic is considered the kind of mud at the bottom of the pond heavy slow mm, mm. very lethargic there's i a real... can't be bothered mm. don't want to i don't want to go out what's the point yeah struggle to get up um and I eat and stay heavy and mm. sit on the couch and just not feel motivated. And mm. and so that state is sometimes quite challenging to get out of. And you might liken the kind of um, imbalanced versions of those states as the depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And that because we in the modern world see this kind of depression and anxiety epidemic, and that these things that would seem like they're at the opposite ends of the scale, but they seem to afflict one person that they're an anxious person that experiences depression or a, de a depressive person that experiences anxiety. It's because they come in appear like that. this <laughs> because you go up into hyper, you get stressed out and you're in that anxious place and then you collapse into depression, you collapse into that hypo. And pretty much miss the beautiful place in the beginning, mm. which is our subvic state or mm. this um, socially engaged state where we're just present with the world. Things feel good. Mm. And the they, yogis would describe it, describe it as clarity. It's mm. so clear and crisp. 
when you have those moments where you're like, wow, I'm not rushing for time. I just feel here, but I'm getting things done. I enjoy the people around me. I enjoy preparing the food. I enjoy eating. I can really appreciate a sunset. I can appreciate the sand. All of those things are you being socially engaged with life. And you might think, oh gosh, that doesn't happen often. Or it might be what you do experience often. And knowing that that is your balanced state. The other states are kind of flinging you out of center. And so yoga and this practice of just coming to the mat and sort of sitting and breathing and connecting in and really bringing your focus to what you're doing starts to change and affect your nervous system where you create what we call resilience and you're able to get yourself into this more balanced state. And so people will start practicing yoga and go, I just felt so good afterwards. Mm. I had a really nice conversation or I really just went outside and the sky looked bluer, you know, all of these things, that's because you're socially engaged with your environment, with yourself, you know, you've come into that beautiful place in the center. And the more you practice yoga, the more you practice and tune into this type of discipline, the more you align yourself to coming into balance, which means you start to recognize when you're not in that really beautiful space of balance or social engagement. And you're like, oh, oh, I've got that anxiety feeling, not I'm anxious. I've got that anxiety feeling. I must be in that kind of hype earth state, that rajasic state. I wonder what I can do to bring me back down to the center. And because you're practicing yoga regularly, you're practicing these tools, you start to know intuitively yourself, this arising from within knows what to do to bring you back into center because you're changing the patterns of your nervous system and you don't have to be constantly in that hyper hypo state. And as much as both of us have learned about this in books and courses and trainings, and we love all of the the science and the research around this, the reason I can speak so passionately about it is because this is what happened in my life. Before I knew what I was doing, I started doing yoga and something changed and I could bring myself back to a different place of center. I felt different. I felt better. And I was, it was like forming a relationship with the real me because the real me wasn't the hyper person. It wasn't the hypo lethargic person. It was that person in the middle who just enjoyed life and enjoyed a sunset and enjoyed connecting with a friend and enjoyed beautiful food without having to rush. So It's this amazing gift of just getting to know who you truly are, you know, and coming home to that really beautiful place. Mm. And then you have this ability to dwell there. Mm. And the practice gives you this opportunity to recognize the moments before you start to start to go up and up and up and up and in towards Rajasic and towards Hyper. And you can take a breath. You can use some of the tools that you may have cultivated on the mat. And that can be as simple as holding one of those challenging, maybe standing or balancing poses for just a little bit longer. And the teacher urges you to just hold for another breath. And maybe, you know, if you are home and doing it online and you just went, nah, doesn't really matter. But the beauty of practicing in a studio with all of those other like-minded humans around you who are who are on the same journey together, you're like, yeah, we can do this. I can I can hang out here a little bit longer. Mm. And you're teaching you're teaching that nervous system that has the ability 
to be there, to, to handle it, to, to dwell for a little bit longer in balance. And there's so many beautiful metaphors that occur as an experience on the mat that can be taken into life, that opportunity to, to take another breath, that opportunity to stay in balance for a little bit longer. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. Mm, it is. And it she leads into this other idea we talk about quite a lot is, is of safety and feeling safe mm. and what safety actually means. So often I've asked people, you know, do you, do you feel safe? And they're like, of course, I'm here, right? I'm alive, I'm not being chased <laughs> by a tiger or something. Um, but for a lot of us, the reality, when we're not in that socially engaged state, we actually don't feel safe because we don't feel connected to ourselves. And that puts us in quite a compromising position where we may make decisions um, based out of fear and not from wholeness or a sense of safety. And when we start basing our decisions, making our decisions, whether it's to do anything really in, in our relationships, it's not actually coming from our essence, from what we would choose to do. So the more you can use these practices and understand what it feels like to be in that balanced, socially engaged space, the more you're actually bringing yourself home to safety, to feeling safe in where you are. And you might even just kind of tune into yourself. There's two ways of knowing. We think of internal safety and external safety. So you start with thinking, where in your life do you feel the safest? You know, it might be, oh, I just like being down at the beach. I feel really safe being down at the beach or I feel really safe in my living room or for a lot of us, it's I feel really safe in my bedroom, in my bed, under the blankets, next to the wall, you know, kind of in like a little cave. Um, and asking yourself that really tune in because those parts of you that might feel a little bit scared or in that state mm. of, of fear and younger parts, you know, little parts when we were scared and things have happened, want to know there is a place of safety. So you can kind of Think of it externally. And then once you've found that, taking the time to consider where you feel safe internally. And if you don't have much of a practice or if you do spend time, more of your time in that kind of hyper or hypo places um, of being more in the, the kind of anxiety, stress or the depress depressive kind of lethargy places, it can be really hard to even consider where you feel safe in your body. That can be quite triggering in itself because you realize that you don't feel safe in your body or you don't trust your own body um, in your experience. And so again, yoga and these types of practices where you're bringing this mindful intention to what you're doing, you're with your breath and your body, you're just being guided, you're, you're committing to the time on the mat, allows you this opportunity to come into your body, to find a safe place in your body. And it might just be, oh, I can feel my breath. That, mm. that makes me feel safe or I can feel where my heart is, or I can put my hand on my heart, or, or I can feel into my feet, when my feet connect to the earth, I feel safe. Whatever it is for you, I highly encourage it and just think it's one of the most amazing practices to really recognize, do you feel safe? And give yourself the gift of safety and of this, the willingness to bring yourself back to what is so rightfully yours this social engaged, this balanced space of being that is so enjoyable. Mm. Yes. And the, the wonderful kind of markers, if you're trying to tune in to that internal state, those wonderful markers of when, of when the breath does calm down 
you picture yourself in that mm. place, you would consider your safe place and you, you do soften a little bit. You may notice a little bit less tension in the body. The muscles might soften a little. You might be able to feel yourself in your seat a little bit more or in your feet a little bit more. And those things are great, great markers, great little clues that you've, you've, you've picked up on something that is, that is safe for you. And so as you're learning to negotiate the, the landscape of your kind of internal world, it's looking for those things as clues, those, those places of a sense of peace coming over a situation, a sense of peace coming to you when you're imagining, when you're picturing yourself somewhere. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to come up with a visual image in your mind that you're just saying to yourself, oh, if I was on the beach, how would it feel? If I was in my bed, how would it feel? Or any of those places. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah, might be on your yoga mat. <laughs> yeah, it really might be. But yes, I think there is a lot of really incredible benefits to to a yoga practice and what it offers and just those moments. And it might be that you practice for 10 minutes on your mat in the morning mm. and you come to your breath and you come to your body and you give yourself this incredible gift to train your whole system, your whole body how to come home to yourself. And it might even just be for 10 seconds. I'm going to do a, a short practice now. That is, it's called a one breath meditation. <laughs> a very, very simple practice, um, somewhat self-explanatory in its name. Buddhist practice. <laughs> mm. And all you need to do from wherever you are, and maybe you keep your eyes open if you are driving. <laughs> Please keep your eyes open if you're driving. <laughs> You might be at a red light. Um, as you're going to just take a moment. I'm going to inhale, fully conscious of your inhale. Exhale, fully conscious of your exhale. And that's it. One breath meditation. It can be so simple. It's so powerful. Mm, and it's very portable, that practice. <laughs> you could do it pretty much anywhere. Mm, mm. Mm, and you don't really even have to go close your eyes. So there are so many opportunities to bring these yogic practices into your life and off of the mat. And that really, really can change a whole lot. Mm. 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 Awesome. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Well, thank thank you to all of you for listening. Yeah. How great. Yeah. And we'll be back again with another episode very soon. And for now, you can share the love for us by subscribing or by sharing the link to this particular episode if it's been one of your favorites and just uh, letting your friends know that we're around. And the more love we get, the more episodes we make. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Thanks. We love you. Goodbye. The Radical Awareness Podcast.